Hey, good morning. I'm Doug McAllister from Journey Fellowship Church in Slidell, and this is the very first podcast, and we're kicking off something brand new. We're calling it Stories That I Didn't Get to Tell Last Sunday. So the idea behind the podcast is to give you an opportunity to see what goes on as we prepare messages and as we discuss where we're taking the church and what's going on with the, you know, with the lead team. So it's kind of like a, uh, you know, just a organic look at what goes on here at Journey. And we want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to be able to hang out with you today uh, for the next hour or so. We're going to just uh, have a conversation and talk about the series we just finished and about what's going on at Journey and about what's coming up next and maybe some even current events that are that's affecting our uh you know our strategy and our ideas and our thoughts so let me introduce everybody as we get started uh right here on your right uh this is pastor al Sharche. you all know him he is uh our online campus pastor uh as well as our uh celebrate recovery pastor and al wears a lot of hats and does a lot of things uh next here right to my right is pastor ken mott he's our campus pastor uh and he also preaches with me on Sunday morning and uh, leads a lot of our outreaches, our, our events here at Journey. And on the far end, uh, on your far left, that's Pastor Tanya Camper. She is our care pastor as well as uh, she directs our weekend teams, everyone who serves on the Sunday experiences. So this is Al, Doug, Ken, and Tanya. We're also the lead team here at Journey, which is sort of like our elder team. Uh, we use the, the term uh, lead team. Uh, we kind of manage and lead the church in the day-to-day operations. And we want to just welcome you in, and we're going to have a conversation today. So I'm going to start out, and I'm going to tell a story about um, our series, Creed. Uh, now, April, we had um, Easter uh, in the middle of April, April, the second Sunday. So it was, you know, it's the biggest Sunday of the year for the church. Uh, and man, I was so excited about it. Uh, I'd spent so much time in preparing the series. And the series in April was called Creed. Uh, and we built the whole series around the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and the idea was to reaffirm people's commitment to the foundation of the gospel, you know, who God is, who Jesus Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, God's plan for salvation, God's plan for the world and for the end of the world. So we narrowed it down to about four topics. You know, it was the cross, it was the blood, it was the grave, it was the love. The cross, the grave, the blood, and the love. Uh, I'd worked probably for the last six or seven months on developing some material, and it wound up I didn't get to preach hardly at all in April, and we know what happened. So Pastor Ken did most of the preaching. Um, it's sort of like preparing all year for the Super Bowl and then getting injured right before the game, you know. So I called Pastor Ken uh, about a week into it. If you don't know, I had a series of kidney stones that knocked me out for about 21 days, uh, and Pastor Ken and, and the other staff had to lead in my absence. And I can't tell you, man, how sad I was. You know, to miss church, you know, on Easter Sunday uh, of all Sundays, I got to attend. But the next Sunday, I wasn't even able to go. Uh, But Pastor Kane carried carried the ball uh, and preached uh, most of the Creed series. So uh, anything you want to say about the series, Ken? No, I think it was um, it was a great opportunity to talk about the Creed Um, and just our like you said, our foundational uh, phase. It was kind of, you know. Kind of the football analogy. It was, um, yeah, having to step in, next man up kind of uh, 
kind of thought process, but it was, uh, I think, I think we got the point across. I gave you no time to prepare. Basically I called you and said, Hey, I'm out and figured out. <laughs> right. No, we had the series laid out, but you know, uh, our style is we let every pastor get a fresh word from God. We don't just write a sermon to make people read it. So what I call pastor Ken, he had to go write an original sermon around that topic, you know, because I want your stories and your experience and your wisdom and not just what I wrote down. So Ken only had a few days to come up with, you know, the cross, the blood. And of course, if you can't preach the cross and the grave, you really shouldn't be in ministry. Amen. Right, can you? Yeah. You think so? Amen. You'll make a comment about it? No, I think it just reminded me of being ready in and out of season. And that's what Ken did. You know, he was ready to just jump in and bring the word and bring the gospel and um, touch people's lives, you know? Well, I was kind of jealous, uh, honestly. Let me just be real here. So a Sunday morning, I, I sat through uh, both Sunday morning services. The first service, I was on the front row. Uh, worship was off the chain. Do people still say that? Off the chain? Yeah. They quit saying that oh, a long time ago. they don't? Worship was amazing. <laughs> Let me go back to the, back to the 60s. It was, um, it was groovy. Uh, but the second service, I sat on the back row because I just want to get a full. And man, the second service was standing room only. It was crazy full. So there was no chair. So I actually stood against the back wall. Uh, and man, the worship was, was, was groovy. Uh, but when Pastor Ken preached, man, it was just such a great word from God. And I was a little bit jealous. Like, man, I wish I was preaching right now. But you did a great job, bro. You did a fantastic job. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it was great. We got to talk about the cross, obviously. The whole point of Easter is the resurrection and uh, what God had uh, looked down at Christ, all that he had done through his life and then through his death. And that stamp of approval was the resurrection, was God saying, yes, it's finished. Jesus saying it's finished. And then the Father saying, it's, of course, it's done. And then opening that way for, obviously, mankind to get back to God. And so, yeah, so that's Easter. It's, you know, it's the greatest day of Christianity. It's our, it's our you know, it's our celebration of uh, of all that God has done, that plan of salvation, you know, starting with Adam and Eve and coming all the way through uh, until the rapture comes. It's it's right. Jesus Christ making that way back to the Father for us. That's so true. You know, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And man, I think that just is never more clear than during Easter. From your perspective, uh, Pastor Al, from the online campus, any any comment or any, any thoughts? No, I, I, I mean, everything was great, honestly. I think you know, as I, I'm thinking about beliefs and uh, and the statements of beliefs, that's what a, a creed is. I believe first and foremost, I didn't get the memo. I was supposed to wear a green shirt today. <laughs> I'm, I didn't I, hear about that, huh? No, I didn't get that memo. Yeah. I also believe I must not be as important because the donuts are really <laughs> closer to you guys and not well, over that here. That was your well, seat down there when we started, but Tanya switched with yeah, you. Exactly. No, the truth is she came and moved everybody around. She walked in and she re- yeah, So man. I had the donuts close to you yeah. initially. <laughs> Okay, well, again, we're talking about belief, and I don't know where I stand with that one right now. <laughs> it's so. true, right, Tegan? It is absolutely true. Yes. I moved everybody because the air conditioning was blowing on the back of my neck. Because so. as you know, all our world revolves around Tanya's comfort. Yes, that's, that's a true belief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, everything online went great. I, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, having an opportunity for people to log in online and to watch what's happening online, it is a good way to, to supplement things. Um, But it should be seen as just that, as a supplement to our faith, something that helps us in a time of need. We're sick, we're traveling, or in the midst of a pandemic, everything that's going on is going on. But I think it was good. We had a lot of people who had been watching online who finally felt comfortable to come in person to be there in the midst of um, friends and family. So it was good. That really gives me a lot of hope, too, because of what 
all the churches have been going through in the pandemic, lots of closed churches, and some churches are still closed, but it was so good to have so many people back live in the auditorium. Didn't it feel really good, y'all, to have so many people back and, you know, people coming into live worship? And we love our online campus, and many hundreds of people still join us online, and we we love that. But we also know there's something that's just unique about in-person gatherings where you experience community and corporate worship and the, the, and the experience of the Word together, all these things happen in the context of the body life together, you know, so I love to see that happening uh, on Easter, especially because Easter 2020, uh, we were open, but we had maybe 20 people in church that Sunday, you know, and uh, we technically never closed, uh, but people stopped coming for weeks and weeks and weeks, especially in the summer of 2020, you know, it was every Sunday was, uh, it was a ghost town, you know, and, but we persevered. And we just really felt like, and, and we understand that not everybody understood the pandemic. Not everybody knew what was going to happen. I get it. Everybody was trying to do their best. But as, as, as a pastor and as a minister of the gospel, we all felt like it was our responsibility to be available for people, especially in the time of need, when community is even more needed and laying on of hands and praying for the sick and caring for those who are, you know, uh, afraid for their lives or living in anxiety or, you know, and, you know, we know lots of people who had the virus and, and everybody in our church who did have it, you know, recovered. And we're grateful, you know, that we didn't lose anyone uh, in the pandemic, God's grace was sufficient for us. Uh, but you know, as a church, we just decided, Hey, we understand the government's going to do what the government's going to do, but we have to do what the church is going to do. You know, God called us to take care of people, you know, so, and I understand there's different opinions, you know, but, uh, I think Easter shows us very clearly. It's time for all the churches to reopen. It's time for everybody to get back to worship and back to the mission of the gospel. And, you know, uh, in a sense of urgency, you know, when I was in Bible college, I worked at a fast food restaurant and every day they were drilling us this phrase, sense of urgency. My manager said that a thousand times. You have to have a sense of urgency. If you need a sense of urgency to make a burger, how much more should we be urgent about the gospel? Because the truth is, everybody's going to die. Everybody. We can hide out in our house for the next 10 years, but eventually all of us are going to die of something. And the truth is, people are dying of sin every day. We're losing people that are, you know, are losing the battle not against the virus, but against addictions and against sinful lifestyles and bad choices and people taking their own lives. You know, there's an epidemic of suicide. You know, there's an epidemic of addictions and, and uh, you know, marital crises and people facing, you know, uh, the end of their business because they've been closed for so long and bankruptcy. There's, there's so many other great uh, pandemics that's facing us, you know, and Easter brings us back to the truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope of the world. And the creed, you know, I believe in God, the father maker of heaven and earth and Jesus Christ is the only son. You know, the, that is the hope of the world. So, you know, anybody want to jump in? Cause I could preach all day. So I want to add anything. I, I can move on. Uh, so next thing I was thinking about was uh, where we're going now as a church, you know, and, and the creed kind of reignited the fire, at least for me, you know, because when I read the story about uh, 
the creed and how it shaped the uh, the preaching of the early apostles. You know, and one of the theologians that I was studying uh, traced it all the way back to about five years after the resurrection. The original creed in its verbal form dates back concurrently with the apostles of the first generation. And Paul learned it before he ever wrote, you know, uh, most of the New Testament. Paul brought the creed to the world. You know, when he left Macedonia, you know, he, he, he went preaching uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even before the New Testament was written, the creed kind of formed the basis of what would become the written gospel, you know, God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the local church and the end of the world. So uh, it's the only hope of the world, you know, and that's, I think it's where we find ourselves right now, you know, especially about the political conflicts and the, you know, the, you know, the, the trouble around the world, you know, um, again, the church has the message of hope and she needs to be fully reopened around the world so that the gospel can go forth. So, yeah, I think that one of those things that um, we need to remember, obviously, as the church, um, so so many times we get caught up in all the different political aspects of what's going on in the country or around the world, and and I, and I think we should be aware of all the things that are going on. Um, but when you have the answer to the sickness of the world. Um, you don't keep studying the sickness. You, you, you give the antidote. You, you, you focus on the message. You focus on getting that message to each and every person, finding out where they are, who they are, and then just speaking in their lives. And, of course, doing that with love and grace and just a ton of patience because a lot of times people are just not ready to receive that truth. They react uh, against the truth because, you know, let's face it, God's truth calls us to a higher level of living, to live like God would, would desire us to. And a lot of times it just doesn't fit people's agendas. It doesn't fit their lifestyle. It doesn't fit their hopes or their wants or, you know, their feelings. Uh, and yet so we continue to love them through the midst of giving them, you know, God's truth, knowing that it's those that uh, will hear it and that seed that goes into that, you know, that soil that's ready to receive it, uh, that it'll produce that harvest. They will come to Christ. Uh, and then we'll just, you know, we just stay very patient with all that's going on. And that's so true. And I think what was missing in the year that the church was closed and not us personally, but the church in general was closed was the transformation that happens in real relationships. And to point out what you just said, Ken, is so often uh, life change doesn't happen unless it's in the context of honest relationships. And if the enemy did one thing in the pandemic, and I don't want to wax too much on the conspiracy theory side. But when you separate people by at least six feet, when you cover their face where you can't see their humanity and you make them stay in their house, the enemy does uh, spiritual warfare against a person's soul at a level I think that we probably underestimate it. You know, especially those of us who are in ministry, we know that, you know, uh, holding hands and uh, hugging each other and standing close by, you know, is part of the of the of, of, of the of the human experience and especially of the of the follower of Christ experience, you know. And then, you know, we share communion, you know, which is this common bread and juice and everything we do is built around touching and loving and being. And then when you cover people's face where you can't even see them smile or or see them laugh or or you know see their expressions, you know, it it it, it isolates people and it drives them away. Now at Journey we're very mask friendly. You know, we we invite people to move at their own level of 
commitment. You know, if you want to wear a mask, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. We don't enforce it. I don't want to. Yeah, how does it want to? Uh, I personally don't want to either, uh, but I just give people a liberty to make their own decision because in the end, I think everybody is responsible for their own health. I don't need the CDC telling me how to live my life or, or some doctor who's out of touch with real life telling us, you know, how we should conduct our business. And even if you're fully vaccinated, you should wear two masks. It's getting to the point where it's almost absurd, like there is some kind of agenda behind it. But the damage it does to the body of Christ when a group of 12 people sitting in a circle can't see each other's face or can't touch each other's hand it does something spiritually that the enemy uses to separate our, us from our faith. So that's why I'm fully in favor of completely reopening. And let's do everything 100%, you know, and let's allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. And with reason and with common sense. You know, if this was the bubonic plague and there were bodies in the street, a different reaction would be called for. But this virus has 99.97% recovery rate. It's almost 100% recovery rate. And I know thousands have died. I get that. But also, every year, 100,000 people die of the flu. Every year. Not this year. It actually disappeared this year. Oh, really? It yeah. happened? Yeah, or are you being funny? There, no, there's no flu this year. Oh, there's no flu. Yeah. Well, ironically, you know, there's always a cause of death. You know, there's always going to be a, a, a statistic that we could use to make our case. But the truth is, the only statistic that matters to me is, are you saved or not? Because you are going to die. It is appointed unto people once to die, and after this, the judgment. And I think as the church, we have to stay true to our mission. Help me out. I think um, that was one of the things for me was I'm such an extroverted person that I miss touching people. I miss hugging people. I miss the connection. And it really is true. Um, people began to go into depression and we saw that, you know, um, we were able to counsel with people, encourage people in that area of their lives. And human touch is very important um, for, for survival, for, you know, our spirituality, our emotional well-being, And, um, without those things, we create other problems that come up and about. And, and, and that's so true. And I think Easter Sunday was to me, was just a picture of that. Cause I, I looked around the auditorium at both services. Some people weren't wearing masks. Most were not. Some people were hugging. Some are still maintaining their distance. So I decided, I tried to read the room so I could understand exactly who I was talking to, but I would ask people, Hey, are you hugging? Are you shaking hands? I'd give them the opportunity to defer, but almost everybody I asked, I sure could use a hug. I sure would like to hug you, you know, like they were afraid to even ask me for a hug. So I just asked them, hey, you want to hug? You know, but I just think the reconnection is, is so important, you know, that people have lost that human touch, you know, and it's what makes us human of, of all things is, you know, to being able to uh, experience life through our five senses. You know, when you can't see somebody's face, when you can't clearly hear their voice, when you're not allowed to touch them, it really builds a wall and it really affects us spiritually. You know, it kind of makes us spiritually sick, you know, and uh, I've been watching some of the news of uh, other nations and 
it's it's just tragedy to see some of these nations, including our own, in some places that has you know attacked the church and forbidden the church to meet. You know, even in Louisiana, a couple of our pastors were arrested for meeting. Uh, there's a video that's gone viral in Canada of a pastor who was from a former a communist nation, pastoring in Canada, uh, who threw out the Canadian health officials who came to arrest him. He stood his ground and he told them to get out, you communists, get out of my church. You know, you should go watch that video of the pastor in Canada stood his ground and said, in, on the most holy day of our year, you're going to come into our church and stop us from worshiping God when he is our only hope. You know, and it's happening not just there, but it's happening across India today where the government is closing to this day. And I know there's a, there's a the, the pandemic is, uh, is spreading there. I get it. But there's also uh, governments that are using their uh, this opportunity to abuse authority. And unfortunately, that's going to happen. But as the church, we have to, you know, uh, honor those in authority, but also know that the word of God and the church of Christ is the only hope of the world. And we can't give up that mission and lose the sense of urgency. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about things that were lost over this last year and people losing that sense of touch and connection and all of the, uh, the different effects that that had. One thing that wasn't lost over the course of this year is the number of people who were coming in to celebrate recovery still wanting and needing help. Because as we alluded to earlier, as the pandemic continued to go on and people were forced to be locked away from one another and kept out of relationships with one another and all those crucial things, um, people's mental health, people's spiritual health, all those things still needed to be cared for. The, the church does not go into hibernation. The church does not go into – the church is not a building. Right. So, you know, with all that's been missing and all that's been going on over the course of this last year, uh, the mission of the church must continue on. The mission of the church must continue to reach the lost, to heal the sick and to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And, you know, where we're at right now, I think, is a really good place. It's like, hey, we 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 went through a lot as a church, as a people, as a, a, a group of, uh, of believers and um, and I think most of us have come through the other side of this stronger. And um, oddly enough, I, I I was reading a study the other day. This is uh, it's it's odd. I know. Bear with me for a minute. But they I was uh, reading a study. <laughs> yeah. So so they were they were studying uh, how long rats could tread water. This is back in the '60s at Harvard. They have you know it costs a lot of money to go to Harvard. Yeah. That's I don't why. know. They're studying rats. <laughs> they have I mean. really, uh, really smart people who are getting paid a lot of money to study how long rats can tread water. Anyway, so they uh, they were studying these rats treading water, and, what, and they wanted to find out how long they could tread water until they drown. And what they found out was that it was on average about fifteen minutes. And yeah, I get it. It's kind of sad. Whatever. So, what, but what they realized also was at around the thirteen or fourteen minute mark. If they pulled those rats out and gave them a break, even just for a, a few moments before they put them back in, you would think, okay, well, how much longer can they tread water for now? Another 15 minutes before they drown? 30 minutes before they drown? On average, it was over 48 hours wow. longer than what they first... And so there's this idea of perseverance of, of, hey, I've, I've gone through what I've gone through over the course of this last year. Right now, we're at a crucial point where I think a lot of people are having that breather moment. Okay, wait a minute. I'm not going to drown. 
it's not really as bad as what I thought it was going to be. And whatever is coming in the future, I believe that God can use this, and he does. He uses all things together for good, amen? God can and will use this to help us persevere even longer for whatever comes in the future. Yeah. I think, too, as, as, as leaders in the church, that we have to find the, the, the right spot, you know, to stand for the gospel, but also understand uh, how to honor the government. And that can be a tricky place. And I understand a lot of churches erred solely on the side of honoring the government. And they, you know, I've heard a lot of pastors quote the verses in the Bible that you should honor those in authority over you and pray for their leaders, your government. I get all of that. But I think everything that all those verses are, are all brought into balance by this one. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some are. I think that verse is huge. And I think as leaders, we were all trying to find our way through this. You know, trying to figure out, okay, I don't want to be just a, you know, just a knothead and do things that are dangerous. But I also don't want to give away our liberty. You know, uh, America is one of the last bastions of freedom in the world. You know, and it's our freedom is, uh, you know, is written in the Constitution. It's the First Amendment, you know, uh, that, you know, you cannot uh, stop uh, people's freedom to practice the, uh, their faith in God is literally one of the first things that this nation was founded on is our freedom to worship. And I noticed that once you give it away, then the government's not too happy to give it back to you. And I just say, well, I'm, I'm doing it anyway. We're going to worship God, you know, because there comes a time when, it, you know, that we got to just make a decision. What is more important? People's souls are our submission to, you know, whatever powers that be, because the people making these decisions, I'm not even certain they know what they're doing. You know, I'm not too, I'm not too keen on um, the CDC or the, the medical staff at the White House or, or the governor or anybody else. What makes them the expert in when I can touch my family? You know, and, and the president recently said he hasn't decided whether or not he's going to allow us to get together for the 4th of July. What? Come on, man. <laughs> what? Well, since when do we need your permission to have a barbecue at our house? It, it gets out of hand. And, you know, I think as the church, you know, honorably and respectfully just stand our ground and say, we're going to worship God. You know, we had a we had a fish fry good Friday night. You know, we 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 fried how many pounds of fish you, we, we fried that night? You remember? Man, hundreds and pounds, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of fish, man. You know, and it was it was free to the public. You know, we have very few takers. You know, we maybe served about a couple hundred servings. You know, we probably could have fed. Yeah, we could have. Yeah, a little of 200. And it just shows you that people are just afraid to re-engage. You know, I mean, this is South Louisiana, free fish. You know, and any other year, we'd have had a line, you know, down the road a mile waiting to get in, you know, uh, because, yeah, and that's exactly where I was going. People have bought into the fear factor and think, well, if I do that, I may die. Well, I get that. But I think there comes a balance where we have to decide, and that's why we want every person to decide for themselves. I think the church, I think us 
as the leaders of the church. We're going to just do what God's called us to do. You know, and Easter was that testimony for me. And I was kind of waiting on, you know, pins and needles, you know, uh, about Easter Sunday. Is anybody going to come back? You know, and like I said, we never closed as a church. And even though people stopped coming, you know, we were at one Sunday, we were having thousands of uh, viewers online and 20 or 30 in person, you know, uh, but that began to shift in August of last year and people began coming back first at a hundred, then a couple of hundred, then hundreds more, you know, and then by Easter, more than a thousand people were there, but it just goes to show you that, uh, people are by nature sheep. That's why Jesus is called the good shepherd. (laughs) The government is not our shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd, you know, and we are all sheep and we tend to follow strong leadership. You know, that's why I encourage people, man, let's get in the word of God. Let's devote ourselves to the gospel. Let's, let's see uh, what Jesus is saying and doing for us, you know, and, you know, and we're like a living laboratory at journey, man. We're just like, okay, let's just do this, you know, and let, let, let's figure it out. So, uh, you guys have any other stories from, uh, from Easter or for the last four Sundays that y'all want to share anything happen in, um, at journey that you think may be relevant? I just remember, um, the thought that keeps coming to my mind is I just keep remembering my first hug with someone um, after everything, when people started coming back. And we probably had over 100 people at church. And I remember Zoe, um, one day she came in and she just said, you know, I just really am struggling right now. I just really need a hug. And she says, and I know that they're saying we can't hug, we can't do all these things, that we have to keep our distances and all this stuff. And she says, but I just really need the touch of another human being. And so she said, is it possible for us to just, I said, I'm all in, Zoe. And Zoe, because she was worried about her husband who was, um, you know, overcoming cancer and everything, we turned around and we did a back hug. (laughs) It was the most precious thing. We literally pressed our backs against each other and the contact that was made in that moment, we just began to cry. And we stayed there for like almost 10 minutes in that moment in the lobby. And I just, you know, human touch is so important. You know, you were talking about the, the survey with rats. Well, they did one in Romania years ago in the 70s with babies. And they put them in a nursery. And I know this sounds like absolutely terrible, but they had them in a nursery. And um, the instructions were that they were not supposed to touch, speak, or have any contact. All the thing they were supposed to do was meet their need of giving them food and, um, and putting them down. So in a one year's time, every baby in that nursery had died wow. from a lack of touch a lack of another human being touching them, speaking to them, having contact with them. And it just shows you how important it is for us to be in relationship with each other. You mentioned about not forsaking the fellowship of um, our brothers and sisters in the faith. It just reinforces how important it is for us to do life together and to do community together because people are actually going through things. They're struggling. You know, people have lost loved ones during this last year and they've gone through divorces and they've gone through marital issues and all of those things. And if the church isn't there for them, then who's going to make the difference in their lives? Pastor Kim was talking about truth, you know. Who's going to speak that truth, that biblical truth in their lives that's going to help, actually help them to overcome and to, to get through the adversity? It's really the church. And, 
that is, you know, right on, because when Jesus was buried, and you remember Thomas doubted, he even called him Doubting Thomas. But the first time that Thomas laid eyes on Jesus, what did Jesus tell him? Touch me. You know, people need to touch Jesus and need to touch each other. You know, as so he said, reach out and feel the scars in my hand and touch the scar on my side. You know, I think there's so much power in in human touch, you know, and the enemy has, you know, just taken this opportunity just to build so many walls around people's lives and fear, you know, the, the fear of the virus and and the media has just continually beat the drum you know they've lost all credibility in my eyes they if there is good good news they won't even report it you know florida reopened a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago now and the cases plummeted because they're achieving herd immunity now and people are getting sunshine and fresh air and going to the beach and going to church you know texas reopened mississippi reopened arkansas never closed you know uh, uh north dakota never closed all these places that are wide open are actually getting better quicker and i think the media and our government has done a disservice to us are you sure you know, by what the whole florida thing it's open yeah. I'm probably going to need a few days to... <laughs> I'm going to go inspect. Well, in fact, next week, our podcast is going to come to you from the beach in Florida. We want to just show you how it looks, man, to be free. free. Yeah. We'll go inspect and You can do sure. what you want to do. You know, uh, you know, our governor just is- issued uh, uh, a new proclamation, and it kind of blows my mind that it, he has that much power. Maybe he just assumed it for himself. He allows some people to not wear a mask, and others have to, which makes no sense. You know, if or you got to wear a mask into the restaurant, but once you sit down, you can take it off as if the virus is going to stop at your table, you know, or you can be six foot apart. But when you breathe in or uh, breathe in and out of air in a building, the circulation of the AC is going to carry your exhale throughout the whole building. You know, some of this stuff is just beyond common sense, you know, that we've bought into. And, you know, and I get it. We want to protect people's health. We want to do the wise things. But also, let's not abandon common sense. You know, there are greater, there are needs just as serious as people's uh, fear of the pandemic, you know, like human touch and spiritual growth and uh, public worship and sharing a meal together. You know, uh, we ate so much takeout food during the pandemic. I was like, man, if I got to drive through one more restaurant, they bring out the food to me. You know, and which I'm happy that we had that service and that opportunity. But, man, there's just nothing in the world like having a meal with people that you love. Sitting around a table and just enjoying food and laughing and talking, you know. Uh, and uh, I think when this is all over and we look at it in hindsight, we're going to see that this was overplayed, uh, that it was used for political purposes, that people who had power did not use it with wisdom. They used it for personal or uh, state gain. And that is a tragedy, you know, and I think we should never forget that. You know, uh, you know, uh, a lot of churches were instructed to close. We received instructions from our fellowship closed down. And I politely answered them and said, no, thank you. We're not going to do that. You know, we're not going to, you know, and well, you may be sued. You may get in trouble and all the, Hey, I understand, but there comes a time in your life where you have to say what's really important here, you know, and, well, and isn't that what the whole idea of a creed is, right? It's a, it's a foundational belief. It's a, it's something that we stand upon. Yeah. It's something that, that drives our actions. Every, every action ultimately stems from what an individual believes, whether we're talking about the Christian worldview or not. 
um, who we are as a church and as an institution, uh, it has to be driven by what we really believe. What is the creed that we're going to stand upon? Man, I think that really captures it out because what is it that we believe? Because what you believe determines what you do and the actions determine who you become. You know, but it goes back to that foundation. What do we believe? Now, we believe that it is important for people to gather in corporate worship. You know, all of us, well, Tanya, Ken and I, we came from a generation ago. You're a little bit younger than we are, Al. Uh, so your generation is a little different. But we would go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. And it, you know, it was just standard, you know, and then if there was a revival, that was seven nights in a row. And, and if the preacher wanted to, he'd, he'd, he'd extend it to 14. You know, we'd go to church every day, every night. And I know the culture's changed. I get it. Nobody's going to do that anymore. You know, I get the, you know, that we have a, we live in a post-Christian culture in America, sadly, you know, and it's hard to get people to come to church once a week. You know, or, you know, or, or, or to come back on Wednesday night, you know, because we're trying to reopen our Wednesday night service, you know, and we've had a hit and miss in attendance because people are just not there. Uh, but culturally, we're finding that and we can't just say, well, come on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. We know it's probably never going to happen again. Uh, but what we are praying for is that God would rebirth a hunger in people's hearts. Yeah. I was going to say, gospel. yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, I, I see that we, we see that especially in individuals who are just really entrenched in addiction, um, individuals who are not coming from a, a typically churched background. When they genuinely get touched by the Holy Spirit, when they genuinely get saved, they do want to be in the as many times as the doors are open. Hey, what do you have going on Sunday night? What's going on Wednesday? They want to be there. But the, the larger issue that you speak to, I think, is comfortable Christianity. And comfortable Christianity, especially over the course of this last year with um, the pandemic and online ministry, um, even as the online campus pastor, as thankful as I am that we have that to offer to people, um, I also recognize that, you know, a lot of people have kind of dropped into this slump to take things for granted, to take their faith for granted, to take their beliefs for granted. But I, I would suspect that if you really began, and I, this doesn't go across the board for everyone, obviously, we're painting with a, a pretty broad brush, but there is a, a large segment of individuals who would consider themselves to be Christian, uh, who frankly are living a whole lot like the world. And it is hard to get those individuals to come to church. It is hard to get those individuals to, to come more than twice a month. But I tell you what, when I see people who are, have that fresh touch from Jesus, individuals who've really been set free, you know what I don't have to do? I don't have to beg them to come to church. You know what I don't have to do? I don't have to beg them to share their faith. You know what I don't have to do? I don't have to beg them to do uh, typical biblical Christianity. It just comes forth. It's just from born them. from the Holy Spirit. And I think that's really, you know, the key to everything is it happens in the context of corporate worship and word where God transforms people's lives, you know, and that's why meeting in person is just so important, you know, and it's so, so crucial. And I know the next generation is going to invent new ways to do church. I get that. And I love the online campus. I think our online campus to me is more outreach than it is in reach, even though we used it uh, for holding our body together. And our online team did an incredible job, man, uh, literally held our church together through Pastor, the online we, we campus. Have, we have dozens of people in our church right now yeah. who found out about it because of the online ministry. Absolutely. You know, I just this past 
Sunday, we had someone in church. She found out about who we are and what we're doing because she logged in to celebrate recovery yeah. on a Monday night. Right. Somebody shared the stream on Facebook, yeah. and this individual stumbled across it, literally stumbled across it, <laughs> scrolling Facebook, watched what was going on, and then came in the church the following week. And I get it. That's a great tool. And we're, you know... I, I think we should keep the online campus yeah, forever yeah, because why would we not take advantage of an opportunity to share the gospel? But I don't think it's ever going to be a replacement for in-person worship right. and discipleship and prayer Amen. and, you know, getting uh, baptized and being filled with the Holy Spirit and learning the word of God and in-person small groups. And I think God is moving through small groups in this generation like never before uh, because people crave that kind of authentic community. So we see a, a, a surge. You know, I think uh, I just did a, um, uh, a report on our small groups. This semester we have 120 small groups with about almost 700 distinct individuals engaged in some way or another, you know, and, that, and that's in a pandemic. You know, people crave you know, those kind of relationships and the days of Sunday night and Wednesday night may be fading, but the community of the saints will never fade. It's always at the heartbeat of God, you know, reach your hand in Thomas and touch my side, touch the scars on my hands. You know, people want Jesus. They want to touch him, you know, and what is communion? It's not just touching, but it's eating the body and blood of Christ. You know, it's, it's internalizing that what you think we Ken? um oh you want to say ahead. something um we actually use zoom for our small group during the um the height of the pandemic but everybody was so ready to get back into in person yeah. you know so it just really is important it just reinforces everything yeah, zoom that's been was said. fun but i kind of get tired of people saying can y'all hear me yeah <laughs> <laughs> is this mute button on am that's i wearing pants that's because everybody at your group was old so they, they, they were it. most of them were uh they had their, their mute button on it i can't hear what you're saying <laughs> well i think if maybe come at this from another uh angle i was listening to um a podcast this morning and um a gentleman was talking about just the the place that our culture seems to be in and maybe you know you're watching this and maybe you're in a really hard spot you're just you kind of are you know, caught up with fear. Cause I think a lot of people are caught up in fear and yeah. maybe you're in a hard spot because you don't know what to believe or who, you know, who is the authorities and should I go out or should I stay in? And, uh, you know, you're, you're waiting on all those different things to kind of, uh, be released to you. Um, uh, but anyway, the gentleman was talking about, um, depression and kind of the idea that most people in the last year have, um, gone through a kind of a state of depression. He said that the hotlines, um, for depression and for suicide in particular, this last year have gone up 900%. 900%. That's amazing. He said one in four teenagers in 2020 thought about suicide. One in 10 adults thought about suicide, which is like an all-time high where people are just so locked in. And I think part of it is because of the fear factor, but part of it is because um, as we have isolated ourselves, uh, we've lost the one thing, which usually becomes more of uh, the will to survive, and that is having a purpose, yeah. having a purpose. Pastor Al just said, talked about uh, people that come to Christ have a genuine experience. All of a sudden, purpose is birthed in their heart. They know kind of who they are, and kind of uh, now that they, uh, they've come to Christ, and He does love them, and He does care for them, and He has set them free, then they want to know, so what do I do? How do I now behave? How do I now go through life. 
And Christ gives us all a purpose in our life. And that purpose um, motivates us. It keeps us uh, moving forward. It keeps us kind of a shield against what the enemy would kind of speak into our hearts and our lives, that there is nothing good going on in our lives. There is no good uh, in this culture. There's nothing I can look forward to. What am I here for? Right, exactly. And when you have purpose... Um, then I think uh, you you move at a different level. Uh, we've been going through, of course, First Corinthians on Wednesday, and we just got through um, chapter fourteen. Um, and one of the things that he talked, Paul talked about, was the administration of the gifts, and he talked about so there were some abuses and different things going on. Uh, but along around the twenty fourth or twenty fifth verse or something, Paul talks about. He says, "When you come together, everyone has." a tongue or a song or a word of encouragement or but what is he speaking to everybody has a purpose in the church we're all part of this body and when this body is moving together in unity and that's again why i think you know hebrews 10 talks about not forsaking the assembly but that church culture gives you a place where you can invest in others and at the same time they invest back to you if i'm walking through the hall and somebody sees that you're down or you see someone that's down hey brother what's up what's what's going on hey is there something i can help you with and then they have that opportunity to kind of share their heart uh become vulnerable kind of kind of you know just get off uh you know that they need a shoulder to cry on whatever it is um but they have that immediately and then someone can then step in and give them that word of encouragement. Pray for them, you know, uh, on the spot. I went out with a couple uh, to lunch uh, yesterday after church, and uh, they were talking about, um, well, one of the ladies was talking about that she had a friend that was been in such a bad state over the last year, She and she was not a churchgoer, uh, but she thought, you know what, I, maybe if I go to church, something will happen. And uh, she went out into the uh, the church service, but she was so caught up with anxiety that um, when she got out of her car, there happened to be a parking lot attendant, one of the guys serving at the parking lot. And she said, and she grabbed him and said, I, I just need you to tell me it's going to be all right. I just need you to tell me that I'm going to be okay. And he goes, he said, well, let me find someone to pray for you. And she wouldn't let him go. She goes, no, no, you have to pray for me right now. But, but I, and I thought, wow, for that parking lot attendant yeah. guy that kind of maybe serves out there because he doesn't want to be involved too heavily in ministry, he had a rude awakening. It was his moment, right? It was his moment to kind of speak life into this poor woman and tell her she was going to be okay and that God loved yeah. her and that she has a place and a purpose. And and I think that becomes, you know, the power of the gospel, uh, that people reach people because Christ reached us. And they just kind of push through, you know, the fear and all the different things and say, you know what, I'm going to fulfill my purpose above all other things. And regardless whether we're in a pandemic or, uh, you know, at, at any level, keeping Christ folk, staying Christ focused and keeping him first and then doing what God has called us to do. I think that gives you the purpose to move forward. I think that's why we didn't shut our our our, our doors because we just knew the purpose of the church was to be there. Uh, Martin Luther, back in his day, they had a, a similar plague that hit that area of the world, and um, a lot of the students and everybody they kind of went for the hills. They kind of tried to isolate and seclude themselves, and and kind of went off to the hills to kind of get through that time period. Uh, but Martin Luther said, no, 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 I can't do that. He said, no, no, I have to be here. Uh, you know, my, my, my future is secure. So whether I live the next 30 minutes, the next 30 days, the next 30 years, that question is solidified. But now what is my purpose? And that is to help and to bring healing and to bring, uh, you know, encouragement to the people around me and help. If I need to help someone that has COVID, then you know what? Then I, I worry less about myself yeah. and more about what Christ is doing in that moment 
uh, to help that person. But isn't that a true picture of love? Right. I mean, that's really what love is. So I really want to say that, um, you know, as Pastor Kim was talking, I just started thinking about our care ministry and, and what we're here for. And I just want you to know that if you're out there and you're struggling and you're having a hard time and you're dealing with it, come in and have a talk with us. Come in and sit down. I will be glad to sit down and talk with you and just to help you give you some scriptures, some things that you can hold on to, things that know, knowing that you're going to overcome, that you're going to get through this moment. So just if you need help, contact the church office. The number is 985 um, I'm getting ready to get my cell. 882-4124. So come and give us a call. Let us know that you need, and we'll be there for you. Of all the advice that we got uh, when this pandemic started, uh, and we got lots of advice from lots of different sources about what we should do, what we landed on was Martin Luther's uh, essay that he wrote about his response to that uh, pandemic back in the Middle Ages. And Martin Luther said just that, you know, my purpose is to do ministry and not to hide out and protect my safety. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, even though we got a wide range of opinion uh, from shutting down and hiding all the way to outright a rebellion, we, we, we landed on, on that word because I believe that's was the wisdom of the Holy Ghost for all times, you know, is that our call is to care for hurting people is to reach the lost and to bring healing to the sick. You know, Jesus' first gospel message was in Luke 4, he quoted Isaiah, you know, this is the year of the favor of the Lord, you know, that he has called me to set the captives free and to heal the sick and to set the uh, at liberty those who are in bondage and to take care of the poor. That is the gospel. You know, James mentioned it again, you know, what is pure and undefiled religion before God the Father, you know, is to keep yourself unspotted from the world and to take care of widows and orphans in their need. So I think, you know, our greatest enemy, especially living in Western civilization, is comfort. You know, it's easy, especially if you can work from home, and you can uh, quarantine and protect your family and view church online and you get direct deposits in your bank and Walmart delivers your groceries. And that's a pretty sweet life for Sounds a while. Nice. But do what? <laughs> Sounds nice. I uh, know. It's a pretty sweet life for a while. So you but start to drift away from your faith. <laughs> but the truth is the comfort becomes our cancer. And we die from our own comfort, mm-hmm. you know, and I think God makes us uncomfortable for a reason, you know, so a uh, lot to be said about what a miserable death. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to die in your comfort. All the Pharaohs, you know, were buried in uh, luxurious, you know, wealth, you know, and all their servants were buried with them. You know, they're still digging up Pharaohs from 4,000 years ago, and they're still in golden caskets with uh, thousands and thousands of uh, dollars of wealth uh, or maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars of wealth and servants and animals. And they were all buried in their tomb with them. But their comfort did not rescue them. You know, it is our discomfort, I think, that drives us to change. You know, it is the pain that drives us to peace. And that I think God uses even stuff like this, you know, as we are making our way through the fog is where we discover the road, you know, and and the narrow road that leads to life, you know. So uh, good stuff. Now, Yesterday, this is a Monday, so yesterday, Sunday, uh, we started a new series called First Things, so we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Uh, But, man, we did a song that just really rocked the house. 
Oh, man. Was it off the chain? It was off the chain, man. It rattled the house. I, Don't I encourage texted, him. Don't I texted Ezra him. this morning. I said, Ezra, the, you and the Holy Ghost rattled my bones yesterday, man. You know, the worship band, uh, you know, all the sound and media crew, everybody working together produced a product, man. It was just clear, you know, and that I think those moments live in the church, you know, in the context of corporate worship, is they're transformational, and you can't capture it anywhere else, man. When I was standing there on the front row, and my thought was, "Oh no, this song is almost over." That was sad. I was like, I told uh, I told Candace one of the way over here. I said, when we were at the last um, part of that phrase, that, that last part of the melody, I kept thinking, "Oh man, it's almost done." I just want to go on another. Uh, can we do the whole thing over again? And I think you had the same thought, Kim, when you went up. I was, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was waiting for him just to kick it back off. But uh, the, we you only know, have one service. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we should have rolled with yeah, it. You yeah, guys yeah, are yeah. kind of in charge. So, <laughs> Rachel said she was waiting for you to just give her the cue. So oh, she oh, should have rolled with it again. That's why y'all don't let me up there. I'll tell you what, man, it was so strong. And, you know, uh, what, that one line in there, you know, that Pentecostal fire, mm. you know, I think the word Pentecost is dated and it has a lot of stuff attached to it that's not uh, the intended meaning. Uh, but, man, when you get that pure fire from heaven, when the Spirit of God just moves, man, there's nothing like it. When you get touched by heaven and the Holy Ghost just goes right to the problem. You can be delivered in a moment. You know, God can set you free from whatever addiction, whatever sin, whatever past. So after the service yesterday, I walked out into the lobby, and the lobby was just filled with people. I must have had 25 conversations. People were standing in line just to talk about the worship and the message. Uh, a, a, a new couple came up to me, first time there, maybe the second time there, and she said, I just felt like I need to confess all my sins to you. And I said, don't do that. <laughs> We're in the lobby right now. Just don't do that right now. Because you know, when the Holy Spirit moves on people's lives, he, he opens this thing. He just releases them of, of the trouble. So I got to talk and minister to this couple. And, uh, and lots of long-term journey people were just telling me what God was doing in their lives. And, man, that is just not replaceable anywhere else, you know, but in the context of the presence of God. The presence of God in his people. That definitely couldn't happen online. No. You can feel it and see it, but boy, you want to get in, you know, uh, you, want get, you want to get in the mix of it, man. You got to be in the water. You know, take me down to the water. It's trembling. You know. Yeah. What you got? Anything you want to wrap up with? No, nope. I know we're right at about an hour or so, which yeah. is, I think, where we, uh, we wanted to keep it at. So, yeah. no. Anything you want to wrap up with? How about you, too? Anything you want to say? No, I just, you know, you're talking about the worship. And for me, it's like, this is how I fight my battle. Yeah. You know, that song just ministers to me so much. Because even when um, Isaiah's um, servant became afraid, he says, don't be afraid. And then he prayed and asked for God to open his eyes so that he could see. And what did he see? He saw chariots of fire. Woo! That's so good. Uh, you know, we open with This Is How I Fight My Battle, and then we close with Rattle. And our bass player, John, came into the green room later, and he said, you know what? We ought to say, this is how I fight my rattle. <laughs> 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 kind of combine both of them together, man. You know, this is just power of God in our lives. And, man, there's nothing like Jesus' presence in our lives. It's transformational, you know. And wherever you're at today, I don't know what you're battling, what your struggle is. You know, Jesus will fight your battle, you know, mm -hmm. and he will rattle your bones 
you know. So we're going to wrap this up. This is our f- very first podcast. Uh, we've got a steep learning curve. We're figuring out how to do this. But we're going to do this on a monthly basis and kind of recap what we learned and some stories that we want to tell and, you know, things that happen at Journey that uh, that we want you to know about, you know, in the context of community. And that's what we always strive for at Journey, to have an r- authentic community of people who are pursuing Jesus together. That's why we picked the name Journey, because we are all in this journey of faith together, that we're walking together as we individually follow Jesus. And that is, you know, the beauty of the kingdom of God. It's personal and it's corporate all at one time. And that is truly unique in the world. Hope you know Jesus. Hope you're following him. Hope you're getting close to him. Uh, If you don't have a church, come visit Journey. We're in Slidell. You can download the Journey app, Journey Fellowship Church. Go to your app store, download it. There's tons of information about us, how to get involved, how to find a small group, how to register for events. You can even get a map times of services, all those things are available. We'd love for you to get connected in our fellowship here at Journey. We would love to do life with you. So check us out. Come visit on a Sunday morning. Right now we have one Sunday experience at 10 a.m. Uh, we're adding a second at the end of summer, but lots going on, man, and we'd love to connect with you. So uh, this is Doug McAllister, Al Sharche, Ken Mott, Tanya Camper uh, from Journey Fellowship Church. We love you. Can't wait to see you live and in person, and we'll see you again right here on the podcast next month. <laughs>